many years ago, I was a, a pastor in a small town, and uh, a young family in my church told me about uh, their next-door neighbors, a couple in their 70s, and um, the wife was named Ardella, and she was in the hospital. She was suffering from a, a terribly painful illness. And, uh, and since she and her husband, Ardella and her husband Don, didn't have a, um, you know, a church of their own, they didn't have a pastor, uh, the young family uh, asked if I would check in on them, the hospital. So I did. That was in June. And throughout the summer, I went to see Ardella uh, nearly every week in the hospital, uh, sometimes twice a week. And uh, Dawn was always at her side. Uh, and, and I learned that they had been farmers, but they had retired, moved into town, and they had no children and no church. At the end of every conversation, of course, you know, you do the pastor thing, and you all, I, I offered to pray, and, and they always welcomed it. Uh, and I prayed for, for God to give Ardella strength and healing. And, and as the summer went on, I noticed that she kept talking that her, her pain levels were getting higher. And so in my prayers, I would sometimes pray and ask God to ease her suffering and for the Lord, for the Lord to lessen her pain. Well, of course, every time I came back to the hospital, I, I checked on her, asked her how she was feeling, and, and I, I, I just broke my heart that, that nothing improved. Sometimes her pain would even be worse. And, and I, would, I, would, I would join hands with them again, and I would pray, Oh, God, ease her suffering, lessen her pain. But it did not happen. One day I left the hospital, and I let God know how ticked off I was. You know, I thought, Lord, here are, here are two people who don't know you yet, and they're letting me pray w with them and for them, and, and, and why aren't you doing your part? You know, wouldn't this be a perfect time for you to roll up your sleeves and demonstrate your compassion and power? You may think that God doesn't like that kind of prayer, but I disagree. When I read the Psalms, they are full of, of these kinds of, of prayers, crying out to God, complaining to God. It's called a lament. And lament is just part of what it means to live openly and honestly with God. So, I, yeah, I, I was upset with God, but I never quit calling on God. That is a lament. Well, then, uh, later in the summer, in August, while I was visiting them in the hospital, Ardella said, I have, she said, I have something to ask you. I said, what is it? She said, I have never been baptized. Would you baptize me? I said, I would love to. Well, shortly after that, in September, the doctors allowed Ardella to return home to live out the remainder of her days, she, she wasn't strong enough to go to church to be baptized. So we brought church to her. On that evening, the young family from next door came over, and they were the witnesses and represented the church to celebrate her baptism. And there in Don and Ardella's living room, I baptized her. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. 
And I began to think, maybe all that summer, God was doing more than I realized. Maybe throughout all of those many conversations and all of those prayers, God was giving her what she needed most. And she gave herself to God. So today, that's where we start. I want to put this up on the screen. It says this, first I give myself to God, and then on Mother's Day we add this, then I give the children in my life to God. Now, you don't have to be a mother or a parent to do this. I would encourage you to think of the, the children you know, the students that you relate to. Uh, we find an example of a woman doing this is Hannah in the book of 1 Samuel. Uh, her name, uh, Hannah in Hebrew, means grace or gracious. Hannah's married to a guy named Elkanah, as Larry read for us, and, and they want to have children, but it doesn't happen. Uh, the Bible says that the Lord closed Hannah's womb, and that may be the case. But I also have discovered that that's the kind of language that, that we get in the Old Testament when God not only causes something to happen, but sometimes when God just indirectly allows it to happen. And the Old Testament doesn't often make a distinction between God, what God causes and what God allows. And so sometimes we read it and we're left wondering which it is, which one is going on here. Now, since Hannah is listed first among Elkanah's uh, two wives, the most likely scenario is that he married her first, and because they had no children, years later, Elkanah married a second wife, uh, Penina, who was probably younger than Hannah, and Penina ended up having lots of children, many sons and daughters. It, I think it's worth noting that, that polygamy was widely practiced in ancient times, Yet, every, nearly every time it's mentioned in the Bible, it causes trouble. That's probably not too hard to imagine, is it? And it's the same in this case. Penina keeps, keeps, you know, rubbing her fertility in, in Hannah's face, and Hannah just, she gets so upset, she can't eat. All she can do is cry. And, and her, uh, her husband, of course, is no help at all. Alcana seems to be clueless, and, I, and I'm, although I'm sure he means well. He says, Hannah, why are you weeping? Uh, why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? And I want to say to Alcana, shut up. <laughs> you, know, you know why she's weeping. You know why she's not eating. And, and don't you think it's a little self-centered of you to say, don't you think I mean more to you than ten sons? I mean, if you need to say something, you should say, Hannah, you mean more to me than ten sons. But most of all, just be with her. Be beside her. Don't try to fix it. Somebody knows experience with that, right? <laughs> at, at this stage in Israel's history, um, the large tent that housed the Ark of the Covenant is set up semi-permanently in a town uh, called Shiloh. And this is before David becomes king and, and moves it to Jerusalem. So uh, every year, Elkanah's family goes to Shiloh to make their sacrifice. You know, big thing with, with before God, and they have a, their big meal there. It's a big tradition for them, and they worship the Lord. 
And it's during these trips to Shiloh that Penina, the mother of many, is especially cruel to Hannah. So, Hannah leaves the, the big family dinner and she goes back over to the tabernacle to worship. And she, she, she uh, verse 10 says this, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. You know, you look at that verse, and the middle part just seems pretty ordinary, right? Hannah prayed to the Lord. It's the beginning and the ending that really give it its power and, and meaning. Uh, that in her deep anguish, weeping bitterly, and by this prayer, Hannah gives herself to God. Doesn't she? She gives herself to God. She pours out all her grief. She pours out all her pain. She pours out all her sorrow. You know, this isn't the kind of, of prayer that you're going to read from a book, right? It's not a, a carefully worded prayer for polite company. This is the desperate prayer of a woman in pain. Do you ever pray like that? Do you know you can pray like that? Do you know that God is near to the brokenhearted? Well, then, in her prayer time, Hannah makes a vow. In her desperation, she kind of makes this deal with God. God, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And he will be a Nazarite, which was an Old Testament term for that, meaning that he will be totally, his life will be totally dedicated to God. And as proof of that vow, he will never cut his hair. So she's probably thinking that she or hoping that he's going to grow up to be like some Samson, you know, an Old Testament Avenger or something, you know. And so while Hannah's feverishly pouring out her prayer, somebody is watching. It's Eli the priest. And he sees her mumbling her prayer. And she's thinking, he's thinking, what's with the drunk lady? And she says, I'm not drunk. I am pouring out my soul before the Lord in great grief and anguish. And then Eli speaks a blessing over her. And Hannah takes it as a sign that God has heard her cry. And so she gets up and she eats. And for the first time in a long time, she has peace. Now, if you zoom way out from this story, like with Google Earth, you see how it's important to the, the entire saga of the Old Testament. Hannah gives birth to a son named Samuel, which means God hears, and, and Samuel becomes a priest and a prophet used by God to, to uh, turn Israel from its Wild West days to an organized government and a monarchy. And then, like Google Earth, if you zoom way back in again, you see a woman who gives herself to God, and she gives her son to God. And that takes us back to what today is all about. First, I give myself to God. Then I give the children in my life to God. So how did Hannah do that? Well, as we saw, she gave herself to God by, by pouring out her soul in prayer. And then she gave her son to God her son Samuel, quite literally, uh, after the boy was weaned, probably age three or four, she brought him to the tabernacle 
to be raised by Eli the priest. He became a boy priest. Now, how do we do this kind of thing? First, how do I give myself to God? Well, sometimes we might do it like Hannah. And, you know, we pour out our souls before the Lord. And, and, and underneath that kind of prayer is an everyday choice. Uh, Romans 12, verse 1, I think is a great verse. It's, it's one I hope you'll maybe tr even try to memorize. It's this. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Now, I think part of the strange thing in this verse, though, is the word bodies. Offer your body? Well, think of it kind of like hokey pokey. You put your whole self in, okay? And, and not, not just your body, but your whole self, your body, mind, and spirit. Is just, body is sort of representative. It's kind of like in ancient times when, a, when, the, when the body of an animal was laid on an altar and sacrificed to God. As Christians, spiritually speaking, you put your whole self on the altar, before God, saying, God, I, I am here for you. I'm all yours. So, so giving yourself to God means waking up every morning with that kind of prayer, that kind of attitude. Lord, I'm all yours today. You know, do you, you notice in the, in the, in the baptism uh, commitment that the parents and the sponsors were making, uh, one of the words that uh, is saying that Jesus is your Lord, serving him as your Lord. And that means, Jesus, okay, you're in charge now. And I like to add the word whatever. Not kind of like the sarcastic whatever, but just a sincere whatever. Like, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do today. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll say whatever you want me to say. I'm all yours. Whatever. And when you give yourself to God like that, he gives you a calling. Did you know that? God will give you a calling. Now, we, we have to search for that. We have to listen for what that calling is. But your calling may be for a lifetime. It may, you may have a calling that it lasts for a season of your life. There may be another number of callings that interweave together. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, we are God's handiwork. Other translations say, we are God's masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God gives you a calling, something he's prepared you for, to do in every season of your life. I visit with a friend of mine once in a while who uh, his health is not good at all. He doesn't get out of the house much anymore. Some days it's discouraging. And he struggles to know what his purpose in life is anymore. But I tell him what I see. I see that he is a spiritual leader in his family. I see that he has, he has a spiritual influence on his children and on his grandchildren. And while he is on this earth, he has a calling. Now, your calling, maybe this summer, might be God is leading you to spend several days helping uh, people clean up after all the flooding. Or your calling might be, say, you know, I'm just going to adopt my neighborhood and be a lighthouse for Jesus in this, in this, on this street. Or your calling might be, say, you know, I know this missionary, and I'm going to be praying for them all the time. I'm going to be one of their prayer warriors. Or I, I'm going to be praying for all of the children on my block. 
One time, a, a woman in, in a, one of my former churches came to me with an idea that she had to start a business. And uh, she, she wanted to know what I thought. And I thought that was kind of strange because people don't usually come to me for business advice, you know, like, what do I know, you know? But uh, I don't know. I just seemed to have a moment of clarity right then. And I said, I think you're going to land on your feet and it'll go well with you. And then we prayed about it. Since then, her business has become famously successful. Uh, she says, though, that for business, it's just a side thing. Business is just the excuse for her to build relationships and bless people. Even in her business, she gives herself to God. Now, how do we give the children in our lives to God? Well, one way we do that, we did this morning through the sacrament of baptism, right? Uh, in, in baptism, we the parents, or we, and we as the congregation, the church, give these children to God, and God promises to give himself to them. Now, how else do we give the children in our lives to God? Personally, I would prefer that you don't drop off your three-year-olds at my house like Hannah did. Just, I just thought I'd mention that. In case you were ever tempted, right, you know. But one way, one way we do it is simply by praying for them. And we, and we can pray tenaciously and ferociously. And by that mean, I mean pouring out your souls on their behalf. I got to tell you, when my kids were, were growing up, I mean, parenting is a hard job, right? I mean, you got, you're, you're, I mean, you got to call on the Lord all the time. And I prayed that God would give them good friends. Because, you know, the friends that your kids pick have a big impact on their lives. And, and I prayed that they would experience Jesus for themselves because I knew that they weren't going to be able to just, you know, tag on to our experiences. They needed to have their own. And I prayed that they would survive adolescence. And, you know, there are days when that's probably the best we can hope for, right? That they just survive it. And I prayed that I wouldn't mess them up too badly. And when they became young adults, and they were going through, you know, kind of new stages in life and going through doubts and times of desperation, I poured out my soul and prayed for them. I prayed that God would keep his grip on them. I, I, and I remembered his claim that, that he made on them at their baptism. And you know what I found? I found that giving them to God helps me, too. It gives me a better perspective. It makes me a better parent. And I realize I'm not alone in this. God has my back. It's not all up to me. And God has plans for them. So what do we say? What we began with is where we come back here at the end. I invite you to say it with me. Let's see if we can put it up on the screen. Here it is. Let's, will you say it with me? First, I give myself to God. Then I give the children in my life to God. Let's pray about that right now, shall we? Oh, God, uh, we confess that uh, a lot of times it's easier for us. We want to stay in control of our lives. We don't want to give it over, give it up to you. But, Lord, today each one of us, uh, hopefully we will make a new choice and say, 
I give myself to you. To say, Lord, you love me better than I could ever love myself, and so I trust you. I'm all yours, whatever. Show me my calling for this season of my life. And Lord, now I think about the children in my life, children in my family, children of my friends, children I meet here at church. And now, Lord, I give them to you. They are yours. As their lives unfold, continue to lead them. Reveal your calling for them and let them experience you for themselves and say, I'm all yours, whatever. And all God's people said, amen.